This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Perspective, as they say, is everything. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the spiritual perspective. A lot of things going on outside those doors. I think it's important that as we read the scriptures that we set our minds on things above. So I'd like to go over a few... um, Accounts from the New Testament that we are very familiar with. The birth and death of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There's something just extra sweet about those few verses, isn't there? I never get tired of reading those. Any time of the year. All right, from Matthew chapter 27. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Skipping ahead to verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled to bear Jesus' cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him. And they divided his garments 
casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, they divided my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots, and sitting down they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him, this is the king of the Jews. So to, to Rome, to be clear, crucifixion wasn't just about execution. They had a lot easier, more efficient ways to accomplish that if that was their only goal. As we know, crucifixion, and, and it, was, it was beyond really even just, just the, the, the torturous nature of, of the death. It was also about the shame. To be stripped of everything all your possessions, Jesus even of his clothes, and to be nailed up there on this cross, a, a spectacle for everybody to see and to mock, to ridicule. That was the crucifixion. And two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. In verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. The birth and the death of Jesus. He's born in a humble manner, humble circumstances, and died penniless, humiliated, executed as a common criminal, and buried in somebody else's grave. we believe there's more to it, don't we? We believe there's a lot more to it than that. Relatively short life of a man some 2,000 years ago. We believe that in addition to that, to the physical, there's this vastly more important spiritual spiritual narrative. As they say, perspective is everything. It's perspective. After all, Jesus didn't just squeeze in a few uh, ministry projects in between his career advancement in carpentry, right? Or masonry or whatever. 
Now, Jesus' entire life was a spiritual mission. He wasn't here on a vacation by any means. He wasn't here to see how far he could get with, uh, with his, uh, you know, clients or whatnot, whatever he whatever kind of work he did. That wasn't why he was here. He had a very specific mission that he came to accomplish. And Jesus taught this spiritual perspective. of his mission. He taught it time and time again. And he dumbs it down for us. I'll start with Mark, chapter 3. No one can enter strong man's house and plunder his goods, Jesus says, unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. Jesus, we got that. Even, even I can understand that, right? You can't just walk into someone's house and start taking their stuff. They're going <laughs> to fight you. But if you tie them up first, then you can take whatever you want. Okay. Got it. Got it. Jesus is throwing back to a, a prophecy long ago from Isaiah to explain why he's here from, from 49 of Isaiah. God asks the question, can the prey be taken from a mighty man? Or can the captives be taken, uh, or of a tyrant, be rescued? Indeed, this is what the Lord says. Even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away, and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons. You know, it's prophecies like that that ought to have left uh, Satan's knees to knocking when God says, oh, the one who contends with you, don't worry about him. I'll take care of him. You know. And that's when Jesus came to take care of him. I mean, sure, to us, that, that holy night looked like a silent night, didn't it? Beautiful, and it was, and not unlike any other night. And this was the shepherd's perspective. This, I mean, every other night, they're out there watching their flocks one more until heaven's perspective was impressed upon them, right? With a sky full of angels praising God and heralding in the coming of the king. A night of terrific excitement. That was what was happening on the other side, if we could see so to speak. And for Satan, it was a night of invasion. It was the beaches of Normandy 
And while his death on the cross appeared as a crushing defeat to those onlooking that day, it was the dropping of the atomic bomb. It was the end of the war. Let's look at it again, this time from Revelation 12. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head, and on her head, a garland crown of 12 stars. Now, this woman, I'll just pause here because I understand there can be some confusion in what we call a this kind of figurative language, but this woman is representative of God's faithful people, the remnant of Israel. This is God's people, pure of hearts to the Lord. And she also is, uh, God's people is also represented in bodily form by Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this woman is, is not Mary, it is God's people, but Mary is also representative of God's people. So in this way, they both are talking about God's people and the coming of Jesus through God's people, this lineage. All right. Woman clothed with son. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to earth, and his angels were cast with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. That night that Jesus was born. And that day he died. It was war. It always was. Luke records... Uh, this from Jesus. 
when he says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, what does he do? He takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoils. We saw Jesus bound and led to Caiaphas, right? But it was Jesus who was binding Satan. We saw Jesus stripped, but it was Jesus who was stripping Satan of his armor and the things in which he was trusting. We saw Jesus' garments divvied up amongst the soldiers, but it was Jesus who was dividing the spoils of the strong man. Onlookers saw Jesus humiliated and made a spectacle of and defeated. But Colossians chapter 2 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, Jesus made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Countless people saw Jesus led captive to the cross and die. But it was Jesus that led captivity captive. And it was death that was swallowed up in his victory. Yeah, Jesus' whole life was this interesting dichotomy of spirit, physical, and spiritual. On the one hand, we had what we could see and didn't seem to much to look at a lot. You know, it's dusty roads and dirty feet and sweat and blood and agony and ultimately death. But in the spiritual, it was a great battle. And Satan never had a chance. He was always going to lose. Jesus taught this perspective to his disciples, but they struggled. They struggled. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, this is back in Matthew chapter 16, they had forgotten to take bread. And that's something that's... That's something I would do. It sounds like me. You can, you can ask, ask Michaela. Ah, oh, yeah, he, he forgets. You have to make sure he gets fed. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, you know, what, what is he talking about? And they figured, oh, we got it. It's, it's, because, it's because we didn't bring anything to eat. It's because we have no bread. That's what he's talking about. Just not quite on the same page with Jesus. So much of the time. Isn't, isn't that the case? And Jesus, being aware of it, of course, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? Did you catch that? At the beginning there, what Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, 
The failure to have the appropriate spiritual perspective is a symptom of not enough faith. It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue to not have a spiritual perspective. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So Jesus continued to teach them, and He began to teach them, Mark chapter 8, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three, di- three days, rise from the dead. And he was stating the matter plainly, laying it out there for them so they could easily understand. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. But turning around and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on man's purposes. Peter struggled to keep that spiritual perspective. What's on your mind these days? These days. There's plenty to choose from to think about these days, isn't there? There's a lot out there. Maybe your head is just dizzied from news overload. Because it seems like no matter what's going on, it's news. You know? You can't, you can't look at a TV without it being about the news or see anything in writing. You can't get on the internet without being bombarded with news. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, carrying on about COVID or the election uh, catastrophe or, goodness, what else is going on out there? My head is is dizzy just thinking about it. Oh, the economy, of course. Uh, whereas I, I feel like, you know, the economy around here is doing really well. Some people, you know, especially in the food industry and stuff, they're hurting. They can't, they can't keep their... My, my brother was telling me about a guy who's having to shut down his restaurant because lockdown rules are basically forcing him out of business. And he's got to go tell his employees, I'm sorry, you're out of a job. You're out of work. Lots to think about. The waves are big, noticed Peter. The fish and the loaves are few, said Andrew. The Samaritan woman said, the well is deep. Yes. Yes, they are. But all the more to God's glory. The physical and there's the spiritual. 
The physical is always lack for resources. With God, there is never a lack. With the physical, there's always something to worry about. But with God, the war is won. And our, <laughs> and our future is assured. Jesus comforts us this way. He says, so do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, these physical things? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they, are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, this is how he clothes the grass, which in the morning it grows up, and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven. How much uh, will, he, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And is he really talking about clothes there when he says, will he not much more clothe you? He's clothing us with more than just clothes. And dare say that the clothes, this is just, just the physical. But the spiritual is that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. What does that even look like from his, you know, if you could get on the other side or the angels, and, and see what does a person, a soul, look like that's been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I dare say that the angels ne never notice what I'm wearing, despite that I you know, thought about it this morning. I thought, is this shirt still okay? Is that still wearable? That they don't care. They don't see that. Because it's overpowered by the blinding, bright radiance of Jesus' righteousness that we're clothed in. Jesus continues, Therefore, don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, we could come up, we could, we, he could have thrown out stuff all day to put into here. And we, and we do it without even thinking about it. He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, surprise, knows that you need all these things. Instead, he says, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. 
Michaela and I have this agreement regarding homeschooling our kids, is that if we teach them, or if we somehow pull off, that we teach them all, you know, high-level calculus and linear algebra, and they're able to memorize all the depths of history, and they know all literature, and can write poems and sonnets and convincing essays, and and they, they, they perform ex science experiments and uncover new ideas. But they don't have the kingdom. Then we've, we've taught them nothing. Then we'll have taught them nothing. But if we fail at all that stuff, but convey to them the kingdom of God, then they have everything. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things that your Father knows you need will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Your Father knows your needs. Far better than you do. Far better. You're worth more than many sparrows. The very hairs of your head are numbered. He knows you're lying down and you're getting up. Psalms 139, how precious are your thoughts for me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand. God takes good care of you so that you don't have to worry about taking care of yourself. So you don't have to consume yourself with yourself. You see, this is very liberating. It's like, oh, I, I don't have to just think about me all the time. I don't have to think about, you know, am I going to get a promotion at work? Am I, you know, being, you know... Are the, the, the big provider at home? Am I, am I being the, the super healthy mama? You know? <clears throat> Got all the answers and I can, you know, I'm, can sling essential oils right from the hip and fix all your woes. You know? <laughs> you don't have to be all of that. Your worth is not from what you can do. That's not what makes you valuable. God created you with value intrinsic. And let me tell you something. You can't do anything to change that. No matter what you do, you can't be more valuable than what God made you. And no matter what you do, you can't be less valuable. But God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And that's the pinnacle of value right there. And he did that while we were still sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you can let go of trying to, trying to matter in this world. You already matter as much 
as anything in the universe can. So that's liberating. It's liberating to you. But liberating for you to do what? If it's not about worrying about, you know, well, you know, what about me? How am I going to, you know, take care of myself? And how am I going to, you know, get that promotion? How am I going to provide? And how am I going to, you know... Well, if, if God's taking care of all of that, then what have you got left to do? Well, it's not just to sit, sit at home and watch TVs on the couch. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, he says, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing then to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a basket. Right, you know. Jesus, I love it how Jesus keeps it simple, right? They don't do that. Right, yeah. They, they, he says they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. So this is what you do, Jesus says. You, you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, he, he, I appreciate that he puts that on there, so that they may see your good works. But it's not about you, so that they may see and then glorify God, your Father in heaven. And that's, honestly, that's, that's the way we want it. We don't want the burden of receiving glory. Because, you know, when you receive glory, there's all like kind of like expectations and stuff that come along. Oh, wow, that was, you know, did you see what, what, what he or she pulled off? Well, now what do they got to do? They got to do it, do it again, don't they? All kind of burden that goes along with, you know, accolades and glory. You know, we don't want that. God, God deals with that a lot better than we do. Give him all the glory. He deserves it anyways, and he can handle it, right? Because he, he never ceases to impress anyways. Let your light so shine before men. That's what you do. You can do that today. You can do that today. Jesus said, look at the fields. Look at, open, open your spiritual eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. There's people out there and they need to see the light of Christ. They're lost. There's a world full of them. There's a lot of things that, that we can do. And I'm not up here to tell you exactly how to live your life. I can't tell you all the little things that are going to come your way and how you need to handle them. That's for you. God has given that ability within you. But I will say this. 
Don't underestimate the small in this world. The things that the world would turn up their nose at or would completely overlook as being utterly insignificant. Don't underestimate those small things. Because on the spiritual side, those small things often become monumental things. Like the birth of Christ. Just one more baby. On an otherwise unnoteworthy night. But it was very noteworthy. Anna. Consider Anna. She served God with what? Fastings and prayers in the temple. Well, what good was that, Anna? You just stayed in there and you just fasted and you prayed and that was it. She served God and she got written down in the Bible for it. That's not going to happen to me. It's too late, right? (laughs) She served God with fasting and prayers. Tabitha. What did she do? Did she, she conquer a new, you know, the new world or, or uh, set up a new nation? She made clothing for local widows. It's a small thing. But it so impacted those widows, didn't it? I mean, they were showing, they were showing them off. Look at, look, at, look at what she made, you know. She changed lives. She changed lives that are incredibly valuable. Consider the widow. She put in, how much was it? She contributed, was it it millions of dollars? Billions of dollars? No, it was two mites. She put in two mites, almost the smallest thing you could put in. Right? And Jesus said, she has put in more than all of y'all. Because they had all put in out of their excess. Right? Okay, that's, that's how I give a lot of the times. It's like, you know, the, the plate comes around. I, I give in because I've got extra. You know, I've, I've got abundance. But Jesus said, I, I, he calls her out. Look, everybody, I want you to take a look at this, and I'm, I'm writing this down so that we all can talk about her for the rest of the age of the world. What she gave in was everything that she had, her whole livelihood. She put it all in God's hands. Just two mites. But it was huge. Don't underestimate the small. Each one of us has a voice. It's just one voice. But with that voice, we can plant just a seed here and there. You know, in this nation, we have free speech, right? That's a great blessing. Don't let it go wasted. We have, we have a vote. We, we get to vote. We get to have a say in the government. Don't waste it. Instead, may it be found may, to the praise and glory of God. 
we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Doesn't look like it. You know, if you're, if you're expecting to open our physical eyes and see yourself in the middle of a grand arena with people, uh, with, with ancients of, from around the, the history of time, and saints from long ago cheering you on, you're not going to see it with these two eyes. But the spiritual reality is that's, that's what's going on. What we do matters. Even, as Jesus said, a cup of cold water given in his name. That's a cup of cold water. So the next time you're busy, your kids need some parenting, it's okay. It's okay to, be, to pause some of the physical and take care of those spiritual things. If you're here today and you have not committed yourself to Jesus, if you have not received Him as your Lord and Savior, buried with Him in baptism, had your sins washed away, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. It's an easy thing to do. But it has the greatest ramifications for you. Or if you have need of prayers, we have the opportunity to talk to God, the creator of the universe. Come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.